global crisis. Bible prophecy. Health and preparedness. You're just in time. 11th Hour Dispatch. Welcome to 11th Hour Dispatch. This is Scott Ritzema once again, and I'm very excited to have a special segment with my friend Vicki Griffin. Vicki Griffin is one of my go-to people in terms of what I've learned so much about health from. And uh, this, this wonderful, wonderful teacher of health works for the Michigan Conference, works with Lifestyle Matters, and the website that, that we would want to plug here would be lifestylematters.com. And so go to that website and see what they're organization is all about to lead you into a more healthy and happy and spiritually focused life. And so I'm very happy to welcome Vicki into the studio for this brief interview on some of the laws of health that we can experience to bring us into a better way. And so welcome, Vicki. Thank you for being here. And thank you so much for having me today, Scott. So tell us, you know, we're going to go through some of these eight laws uh, of health and, and, and what can we hope for to, you know, to, to glean from these? And if we're practicing these things, what, what do they bring in our lives? Because we've got a whole lot of unhealthy, unhappy, obese, diseased people in our society. Um, what, what is the Lord promising us through practicing his health laws? Well, that's a great question. And, and in, uh, in this world, in our society, we talk a lot about health care benefits. But today I'd like to focus on self-care benefits. But I want to qualify that statement before we launch into some of the mental, physical, and spiritual practices that can add value to life. And that is this. We live in a world where terrible things can happen to people who do practice uh, good habits. Uh, we live in a world where th- people can break the laws of health, and they seemingly do well. So let's remember that we live in a world of sin. But having said that, would you agree with me that a lot of suffering we bring upon ourselves because of choices that we make which bring unnecessary suffering that is not in the will of God? Is that a reasonable launching place for our discussion today? Absolutely. And I can testify to that. You know, I used to live on Mountain Dew, sugar, uh, white, uh, refined everything and processed junk, fast food, you name it. That was my lifestyle. And when, when the Lord convicted me to change, and we're going to talk about nutrition right now, with the dietary practices, way more energy, way more joy, way more clarity of thought, more emotional, uh, you know, balance and, and a better spiritual walk with Jesus Christ from changing diet. And so why don't you share with us some uh, tips, some some insights on the topic of nutrition that can give give us a, a little bit of direction. Well, there are some very practical uh, uh, elements in lifestyle, in in what I call attitudinal disciplines, in spiritual health practices, and they all affect mental physical and spiritual health, immune health. It's a fascinating study. I saw a sign on a Baptist church that I, I really resonated with. It said, God has a dream. Satan has a nightmare. 
and you have a choice, and we do have a choice. We have a choice in lifestyle practices that can make a major difference. So what our goal is at Lifestyle Matters is to help people to find God's principles so that they can build better habits, better brain, better health, and better life for good. And so I probably would start where most people start, and that is with nutrition practices. Uh, they affect the brain, the body. In fact, I've written a book called uh, Foods for Thought, uh, Nutrition's Influence on Mood, Memory, Learning, and Behavior. And there is an interesting statement from Nutrition Reviews, which I think we, we uh, want to bring out here, and that is this. Can what you eat influence mental function? The answer is certainly affirmative. If the diet is largely junk food with large amounts of highly saturated animal fat, the membranes actually reflect that diet by being less flexible, stiffer, and more restrictive to natural enzyme function. So the question is, what on earth does that mean? Well, every cell in our body is made up of lipids, and the, those are fats. And the type of food that we eat is going to affect how flexible, how fluid, how conductive those membranes are. And so there is a direct relationship with cognitive ability, with inflammation, with depression, and the type of food that we eat. So the bottom line, Scott, is we want to choose more of the good stuff. Well, I'll tell you, I can, I, mine's anecdotal. You know, you got the science, you're quoting the experts here. And I can say definitively days when I'm making uh, poor uh, health choices, you can tell the difference in how your brain is functioning. And I don't mean just your intelligence, your ability to recall facts and be smart, your IQ. You know, I'm also more interested on those spiritual things on, you know, how am I treating others? What is my attitude toward God and circumstances in my day? Literally what we eat will have an impact, won't it? It has a tremendous Im impact. So we think of the foundation of our most chronic diseases. We, we think of heart disease, diabetes, uh, hypertension, obesity, the foundational uh, condition that underlies these syndromes is inflammation, chronic inflammation. And so when chronic inflammation is going on, that means that the energy from the food that you are eating is not getting into the cells. The energy is glucose. The carrier is insulin. And so when the cells are resistant to, the, to, to insulin, which carries that energy into the cells. One of the first symptoms is fatigue, mental fatigue, depression. Uh, God has built so many beautiful backup systems uh, to, to save us from ourselves and our own habits. He has actually engineered us for renewal, recovery, and restoration. And I'm thankful for that today. Our brains produce new nerve cells every single day. But when we are insulin resistant, those, those new nerve cells in the brain tend to commit suicide. And so it promotes dementia. It promotes cognitive decline. It promotes depression. And so getting to the produce department, eating those foods that have what we call crunch factor, and I don't mean chips, we're talking the Department of Defense is the produce department. So these high-fiber foods that we find in fruits, vegetables, gr whole grains, beans, nuts, and seeds, these are going to lower inflammation, increase the access of the glucose into the cell. So guess what? 
the fatigue goes down. And when fatigue goes down, you have more energy to move. The risk of diabetes doubles just from inactivity. And so nutrition and exercise are foundational elements for mental, physical, and spiritual health. I'm really glad you brought up exercise because those are the two biggest things personally for me that have made the biggest impact on my health. And so basically what I've heard from you and I've heard, heard you share this in, in the past, that produce department, this isn't some like fad diet. You don't have to come up with like the whole list of things that, you know, this and that. It, it, it's as simple as just eat lots of plants and the more of that you do, the better. And, you know, don't eat too much though, right? Yeah. And, and, then, and then you bring in the exercise piece. Tell us about what exercise can do for us physiologically. Uh, mentally, and, and, and when we talk about the brain, you know, we're talking about the emotions and, and having a balanced life in that regard, having self-control and just feeling better. What, what will exercise do for us? Getting out and moving is the last thing that a person who is overweight, diabetic, or has these inflammatory conditions, it's the last thing they feel like doing. But a 10-minute brisk walk has the uh, capability of improving mood uh, for an hour. And so when we move, it actually works those muscles and, and it defats the muscles, which makes them more uh, susceptible to taking in the glucose, which is required for energy. And muscle is where energy is produced. So it's, it's kind of paradoxical that when we move, it actually reduces fatigue. It increases energy. And it's like putting miracle grow on your brain. It actually stimulates growth factors to reverse some of the damage that poor diet and sedentary lifestyle has, has done. For instance, it, it improves mood. It lowers stress. It can increase um, the insulin sensitivity of the cells anywhere from two hours to two days. And it makes uh, learning easier. It helps to uh, achieve and maintain a healthy weight, less sickness, more energy, greater strength, and sounder sleep. So this is so wonderful that God has given us tools for improving mental and physical health that are as easy as getting a pair of tennis shoes, getting outside. And you know what? We don't, uh, we don't brush our teeth because we're in the mood for it. So the question is not, do I feel like moving and exercising? The question is, when and where am I going to get some movement in today? You know, I've heard uh, a couple of statements. Tell me what you think about these. I've heard with, with regards to exercise. First of all, it is the single best thing you can do with the quickest and most powerful results to change your lifestyle. Exercise is number one. Not to discount the others. We need to be having a good diet and these other things too. But if you're going to do one thing that's going to change your life the most, the quickest, exercise. And then I've also heard, uh, you know, everybody comes up with their theory about what's the best form of exercise. And one thing I liked is the best form of exercise is the type of exercise that you will actually do, right? <laughs> well, you are, you've hit the nail on the head. You've hit two nails on the head because it's true. Jacqueline Lane said, exercise is king. Uh, nutrition is queen. And when you have the both, you have a kingdom. And, and so, yes, making an accommodation for movement in your life, regardless of what the weather is, finding a place to, to move in, in the house. There are YouTube videos uh, that you can do a 15-minute a, a routine that will give you a mile in 15 minutes. There are so many. There's Tabata 
type of exercises that are interval, and it burns that belly fat, it, it lowers inflammation, and, and it sweeps up the de- those dead cells. We want to add to that, you want to stay hydrated with plenty of water because that's going to help improve circulation and clear um, those toxins and, and aid in the circulation of those nutrients. So that, and then just, you know, just modest changes in dietary patterns. So for instance, one 12 ounce soda a day, one, and and who, who drinks just 12 ounces anymore, but one 12 ounce soda a day for one year is going to put 75 cups of sugar in your body and you will put on 15 pounds without even trying. So let's flip that and look at it on the positive side. If you want to lose 15 pounds and eliminate 75 cups of sugar from your body in one year, all you have to do is eliminate, um, uh, one can of soda pop a day. You add to that a handful of nuts, you're going to cut your risk of a heart attack by 50%. You put on those tennis shoes and you start going around the block or, or work with your healthcare provider, depending on what your situation is, of course. But these are modest changes that are going to make a, make a big difference in stress levels, mood, cognitive clarity, the ability to solve problems, creativity, initiative, all of those things. And it begins to repair areas of the brain that have actually been damaged by all that saturated fat and sugar. I call it the chips, chops, and lollipops lifestyle. We need to switch to the Department of Defense, which is the produce department. Folks, I hope you're as inspired as I am to get outside. Just go for a simple walk. That's my favorite thing to do. Find your favorite. Go outside, pray to the Lord, listen to the birds, see the trees swaying in the wind, and eat some good healthy food. We'll be right back. To financially support this broadcast, visit 11thHourDispatch.com or write to us at 11333 Bacchus Road, Lakeview, Michigan, 48850. In research that I personally conducted, it was revealed that for every one hour that the average conservative Christian high school student spends in Bible study, prayer, and devotions, they actually spend, brace yourself for this, 25 hours on video games, movies, and television. If you didn't catch that, that's a 25 to 1 ratio of entertainment to spiritual pursuits. And most students spend no time at all on spiritual things. And we wonder why our youth are struggling? It's saturating our lives. Hollywood, popular music, video gaming, spectator sports, multitasking, and distraction. So what does the latest science say about the mind-altering effects of 21st century media? And what is the spiritual agenda in the entertainment industry? Visit 11th HourDispatch.com. Use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate for the DVD set called Media on the Brain. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a And welcome back. This is 11th Hour Dispatch. I'm Scott Ritzema, your host, and we are hearing from Vicki Griffin today on health principles in an age of just the degradation of the human mind and body. 
how important is it for us to take our health seriously in these times in which we live? And her website is lifestylematters.com. Visit her website and let's take a listen to some other things that Vicki has to share with us. Before the break, we were looking at nutrition, at exercise, two really big things. Vicki called them the king and the queen of health. And also a couple other things that were mentioned I wanted to underscore. Fresh air, right? Water. When you're getting your exercise outdoors, what a wonderful thing. Better indoors than not, right? But, uh, but being outdoors as much as we can in these lives that we live, which some of it, so much of it is indoors, enjoying God's beautiful nature, just fills the mind with a love for his presence in our, in our midst. And then l- drinking that water. And, you know, don't so much think of it as I'm giving up. Soda, coffee, you know, uh, the Starbucks and all of these, you know, high sugar drinks. Don't, don't think of it as I'm giving up these things. Think of it as I am excited about the benefits of water and it's really, really, really good for me and I'm going to always stay hydrated. I'm, uh, religiously, I, Scott Ritzma, I get up first thing in the morning and I just drink a bunch of water first thing in the morning. And I don't feel as good unless I do that. I used to get up and drink a Mountain Dew. But now when I drink two big cups of water, uh, it's just it, – I'm not really awake. I'm not really ready for the day until after that. So that's like a religious ritual for me. But, uh, you know, those ones we, we covered before the break. Let's talk, Vicky, about rest and some other health principles that people can start incorporating into their lives and what kind of benefits this can bring us in our walk with the Lord and in our uh, just the way we feel and how we function. Thank you so much for having me today, Scott, and thank you for that introduction because the principles that you have just mentioned actually facilitate one of the most neglected natural doctors, and that is rest. It's so interesting because we are crazy busy people in the United States and in our Western culture, and yet rest is so important for healing mind, body, and spirit. And when we begin to exercise and eat proper foods at the proper times, not eating late at night and having barriers around eating time, uh, it's and, and moving our bodies, getting outside, it facilitates deep and restful sleep. Rested people actually are going to have better weight control, better blood sugar control, lower stress, and uh, fewer junk food cravings. One of the premier researchers in the area of sleep is Gregory uh, Belenke, and he has worked with the military for many years doing research because these people are fatigued. What are the effects of chronic fatigue on mental and physical and spiritual health? Well, there's an interesting quote that uh, has gotten my attention, and I share it many, many times. Fatigue selectively targets the highest order of cognitive mental functions. Critical thinking becomes impossible. Well, Scott, what is critical thinking? Critical thinking is looking at facts, assimilating them, analyzing them, and making a decision based on those facts. So what happens when your brain is tired is that the tired brain does not discern as much. The tired brain doesn't care as much about what it does discern and doesn't resist as much. So conversely, establishing regular early-to-bed sleep patterns actually helps not only control stress hormones that sap memory and mental energy, 
but it also improves judgment and decision-making. Belenke makes the point that when we are sleep-deprived, decision-making falls to chance levels. You have a 50-50 chance of making a good decision when you are tired. That is astounding. That research... It really brings home the spiritual battle, right, that we find ourselves in. The devil is the deceiver. He has come down having great wrath, for he knows that his time is short, right? His great agenda in this age in history is to lead the world astray in deception so that they cannot think critically, discern truth from the Bible about themselves, about God, about their relationships. He wants us confused and then making poor choices. And wow, so if he can get us awake late at night— watching the late-night television, playing video games for all hours. You've got the propaganda of the mainstream media. You've got the, the worldly schooling methods that are indoctrinating children from a very early age, many of whom are fatigued. And all of a sudden, we don't have the tools in our bag to resist this, this deception, And although we can get it back, can't we? Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's just think about an illustration from the Bible. When Elijah did a great work for God on Mount Carmel, and then he ran, uh, and uh, he was exhausted, before God could speak to him, he needed two meals and two naps. Mm -hmm. So thinking that God can speak to us through any other organ but the brain is absurd. And so the battle really is not for the bulge. It's for the brain. It's not about weight control. It's about appetite control, and that's a brain thing. The battle is for the brain. So keeping our brains in top shape through fitness, through eating patterns that are reasonable and and have boundaries, getting deep and restful sleep uh, is, is essential to hearing God's voice. So there, there, there's something called sleep architecture. So you think of a skyline that has an architecture. Well, sleep patterns have an architecture, and there are some habits that support a healthy sleep architecture. And so maybe we could just mention a few of those things that are so important. Number one, slow down in the evening. Uh, it's a hard discipline to enjoy low-key activities. You mentioned media, and people are exposed to anywhere from 500 to 5,000 ads a day through media. Everything is more and more faster and faster, and we are at a tipping point, and and we are are so sleep-deprived and so over-busy, and we're addicted to tranquilizers and sedatives because of our lifestyle. So slowing down, limiting media, putting it away at night because that, that blue light wakes the brain up and and uh, it prevents the production of the Dracula hormone that melatonin that is so very very important and so a healthy diet and limiting evening activities is going to signal the brain help the production of that sleep hormone that is converted from serotonin into melatonin which we're going to get from those healthy carbohydrate foods uh, nixing caffeine and alcohol and late night eating when we eat late at night, it stimulates insulin, and and that wakes the brain up. What are we going to do at night? Build a barn? So getting these bodies of ours in harmony with the natural rhythms that we, we, we were created with is not only honoring to God, but it's protective to brain, body, and spirit, and to the immune system. You know, I love your emphasis, Vicki, on the brain, because 
you might say, well, I want to get healthy so that I reduce my risk of such and such disease. But, you know, for many people, that's just kind of foreign. It's kind of distant. It's kind of, you know, isolated. You know, I'll take my chances. And right now I want to do this. But when you realize that if I drink that or watch that or go to bed late or, eat, you know, violate any of these uh, physiological laws of, of our bodies and brains, when we violate those, it, it will lead us to right thereafter, not feel as well and not think as well. And it has immediate impact and immediate impact on our attitudes, on our relationships, on everything. In fact, I'd I'd like you to share also on that, that uh, that issue of of attitude and how how this all pulls together. Yes, and it does pull together. And that's not to say that we're never going to have a late night. It's never to say that we're never going to eat a cookie as long as we live. But the problem is we're having a birthday party for breakfast, Christmas for lunch, Thanksgiving for dinner, and uh, lots of fireworks, but not the kind that we want. And so we're talking about patterns here, Scott. We're talking about craving the good stuff and having a pattern in life that supports the odd time when it's just not going to work for you. And and that does bring us to attitudinal discipline. There's there's a saying that how the mind thinks, what the mind thinks moves the mouth and the man goes. So what the mind does, what the mind thinks, the mouth is going to speak and the man will move. And so these attitudinal disciplines are taught just as strongly and powerfully in the Word of God as other healthy lifestyle principles like stewardship and relationships and healthy habits and all of those things. Uh, These are biblical principles that we're talking about. And I am so thankful that God addresses the discipline of how we think. We can literally think ourselves into a frenzy. Uh, there's a saying that a bad attitude is like a flat tire. You're just not going to get very well, very far until you change it. Attitude is a little thing, but it sure does make a big difference. I've heard the statement that goes something like this. You can help me out with it if I don't get it right. Thoughts work out actions. Actions form habits. Habits become your character, and your character determines your destiny. Is that kind of what we're talking about here? It all begins with the thoughts. The attitude factor is what I choose to accept in my mind. A, a feeling pops up. Do I embrace it? Do I, do I allow my reality to be defined by my impulse and feelings? How, how, do you, how do you win this attitude battle? I remember that we have nuclear power under our nose. And what my mouth says, my brain hears. And here's the thing. I can't renew my own heart and spirit and mind. Only God can do that. He's the only one that can change my desires, my heart. It says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Thank you, God, that he can change the the, the course of our thinking. He can change what we trend. Whereas we used to run towards sin and evil, now we run away from it. And if we fall down, we get up and we keep running away from it. That's God. He's the only one that can create that new heart, that new spirit, that new way of thinking. The heart of health is hope. And he's the only one that can put it in our hearts and change our thoughts and minds. And then we have to practice those teachings. We have to practice the thinking and speaking from God's word instead of what we feel. So if you're in a downward spiral of negative emotions and just feeling bad about yourself and, you know, the devil, he's the accuser, right? I mean, he, he's, he makes a living out of kicking people while they're down and just making them feel like trash. You know, how, how do you hear the voice of God breaking through that? You know, I've heard a statement. What, what do you think of this? It says, we don't have the willpower, but we have a will and God has the power. 
And if we exercise our will to look to him and to receive his blessing and his kindness and his goodness, he will give us the power to see his grace in our lives and to give us victory over these negative thought patterns. That's exactly right. He, he has uh, designed us to retool us and remake us. In the same way that when we, sh- when we stop the burgers and fries and shakes, the arteries get more flexible and they clean up. When we start repeating what God says in his word and, and the value that he has for us, uh, it says the Father's name is written in our forehead. Look, the brain under imaging of a, of a born-again person that is practicing uh, the truth of God's word versus the impulsive, bulimic, stealing, lying, angry person, their brains are going to look different over time. It's God. That is amazing. The brain literally changes, folks. Romans 12 to a renewed mind. Here's Scott Ritzema with another final minute message. Secular musicians, when they talk about how when the music and the lyrics don't match up, they call it aesthetically false. It's incongruent. It's, it's in contradiction. And if secular people can recognize that there is a falsehood in music, there is a true and a false, we Christians who are holding the banner of truth high ought to be able to say, you know what, that's aesthetically false. And I feel for them. I want them to learn about the styles of music and what it's doing to them. It's not just my opinion. Even the secular community, again, Slate Magazine, can observe the irony of this, the contradiction that is Christian pop or rock music. They said you shoehorn a message that is essentially about obeying authority, Christianity, into a music genre that's essentially rebellious and nihilistic, rock music. It's not a match. Brought to you by BeltofTruthMinistries.org.